you guys remember, we, we left off in uh, Acts chapter 2. We read 2.42 last week. And we finished with talking about the, the Apostles' Doctrine and the Apostles' Creed, actually. And where we're at right now, again, this is still, you know, this is coming to, to an end of the, of the day of Pentecost. We, we see that, that, the, that the believers are there at Pentecost, you know, that this is actually the, the birth of the church, of the New Testament church. We see that the believers have already received the promise of the Father, which is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We see that as a result of that, the boldness of, of, of Peter and John and the rest of the disciples there as they're waiting in the upper room. We see that the Holy Spirit comes upon them, you know, and He uses them mightily to, to, to preach the first gospel message ever recorded there in Jerusalem. We see that as a result, it says that, that, that 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. And now we're going to continue to read as the a, as a Holy Spirit is going, to, is going to continue to work in the life of Peter, of John, and of the rest of the disciples, really. But, but, the, but the Bible is going to highlight the, the life of Peter and how the, how the Holy Spirit used him. So we'll pick it up there again in Acts uh, 2, verse 42. And I'll read from verse 42, 47. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with, glass, with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So we see again the, the, the characteristics of, of the early church. And we see that the early church was characterized by, by these four things. It says that they continued steadfastly in doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayer. And, and if you guys remember, I, I've, I've repeated this a couple of times. That, that my heart as we're going through, through the book of Acts, again, is, is just to kind of return to, to, the, to the early principles, to the principles of the early church. You know, I've mentioned how... how Throughout the years, the church has adopted certain traditions and certain certain things, you know, not necessarily simple things, but just these extra weights sometimes, you know, that we carry with us as as a as a part of Christianity, you know, things that the that the early church never practiced or things that, that the Bible never taught, you know. Again, they don't necessarily have to be simple things, but just extra weight sometimes. You know, in my heart, as we go through the Book of Acts and we study the, the New Testament church, the first century church. And, and as we study what, what, the, what, the first, what the first century church and what the first century believers practice, my heart is just to return to those principles. You know, I'm not saying we have to go back and sell our TVs and cut off all electricity and, you know, live how they live, you know, and, and burn the, the, the midnight oil and all that. But just really just the, 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 those godly principles that, that, that the early church was founded on, you know, and, and these four are the first that are mentioned. You know, we see that, that the early church was so that they continue steadfastly, again, in doctrine, which is in, in solid Bible teaching, in the doctrine of the apostles, and the fellowship. What's that Greek word for that? Is koinonia, you know, which, which talks about this, this unity within the, within the body of Christ, you know, this, this, this deep sense of fellowship. And then the breaking of bread, which is uh, communion and prayer. Now, as we read here this verse verse 42 this is actually going to transition us into the next chapters as we see, as we see God use men who were defined by these four traits and as we and as we read throughout the rest of the book of acts we see that that, that all throughout the, the book of acts you know that, that God worked through through holy men through men and women 
who were defined by these four traits. Men and women who were, who were defined by their by their 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 careful study of doctrine. Men and women who were defined by their by their intimate fellowship with the body of Christ. Men and women who were defined by by, by their by their continual breaking of bread and their remind their their continual reminder of what the Lord did on the cross. And men and women who were defined by, by a prayerful life. And really this verse is going to transition us now into the next chapter. And it goes on to say there in the next verses, it says that many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Notice that the signs and wonders weren't mentioned first. You know, what was first mentioned was their, was their doctrine, their fellowship, their breaking of bread, and their prayer. And then it says that many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. So we see that sometimes, you know, people want to focus on, on, on the signs and the wonders but, but yet they neglect the foundational principles that the apostles practiced before the, the signs and wonders ever came. You know, and there's ministries out there dedicated to the signs and wonders. You know, but yet they, ne they neglect a, a, a sound Bible teaching. They, 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 they neglect, you know, doctrine. They neglect, you know, prayer. They, ne they neglect the fellowship of the believers. They, they, they neglect these, they, these four, you know, uh, characteristics of the early church. And they focus on, on the signs and miracles, you know, and the signs and wonders. And, and, and I mean, I'm not trying to knock the signs and wonders. I mean... I, I believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I believe that the, that the 21 gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today, including healing, miracles, and works of faith. But we see that, 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 that there is an order, and we see that, that, that the Lord, and, and, and really in the Word, that there's an emphasis, you know, not so much on the signs and the wonders, you know, but on the doctrine, you know, on prayer, and, and, and really on the study of God's Word. We see that the Word of God puts an importance and an emphasis on the teaching of doctrine, on the fellowship, which is godly edification, and in prayer before any miraculous signs. And it's never to be the other way around. I mean, Jesus, as he spoke to his disciples and he prepared it, he said, these signs and wonders will follow you. You know, it's not that we have to go out there chasing these things, but as, as we're just intimately having, a fel having fellowship with the Lord and just, and just walking, walking with them and studying his word, these things are, are going to happen as a natural byproduct of our, of our abiding relationship with the Lord. These signs and wonders are going to follow. You know, but it's never to be the other way around. It's never to be, we're never to, to seek the signs and wonders before a fellowship with the Lord and before, you know, the teaching of doctrine. Now, with that, I say that, that a, a person who is primarily focused with studying, knowing, and teaching doctrine, who is consistent in prayer with, with God, will seek to glorify God when the signs and wonders come. Now, I do believe that they will come, and, I, and I, I've seen them come, you know, in my life, you know, and I've heard testimonies, you know, of, of these miraculous signs of wonders in, in, in the lives of other believers, you know, but, but I, I mean, I believe that we don't see a lot of the supernatural working, working and, and healing and miracles because most people don't know how to handle the attention. You know, again, we see that there's ministries dedicated to just these signs and wonders, and, and, and for the most part, you know, ministries that are dedicated to just signs and wonders tend to take the attention away from Christ. You know, they tend to take the attention away from Jesus. They tend to take the, the, the attention away from, 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 what, from Scripture and point it towards an individual or a ministry. And, and I definitely believe with all my heart that the Lord is desiring to work signs and wonders in our midst today. But I believe that a lot of the reason why, why we don't see these things is because, you know, people today, a lot of people today, you know, are, are, are just too focused on, on, on themselves, you know, and, and, and will, will seek to glorify themselves or their ministry when these things come. I love what the Lord said there in John 16. I was just talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says there in John 16, 13. He says, however, when He, 
The Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take up what is mine and declare it to you. So speaking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus said that, that, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit will seek to glorify Jesus. Now, us as, as, as New Testament believers, you know, we believe in, in, in all the scripture. We believe in, we believe in all the doctrines of the scripture, you know, including the Trinity. You know, we believe that, that, that the Bible teaches that there is one God you know, that, that exists in three persons, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All equally God, you know, but, but, but different in roles. You know, and I believe that, the, that, that God the Father is not the God the Son. You know, and the God the Son is not the Holy Spirit. And, and, and God the Holy Spirit is not God the Father. You know, there's three distinct persons, all equally God, all equally sharing glory, all equally, you know, to be, to be reverenced, you know, but different in roles. And, and the Bible teaches that, that, that there is this submission, you know, that, that, that the Son submits to the Father, the Holy Spirit submits to, to, to the Son, you know, and each have different ministries. And Jesus tells us that the, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who is equally God, is to point to Jesus, is to point to Christ. You know, and, and, and there's a lot of things out there, you know, being done in the name of the Holy Spirit that bring glory to the minister or to the ministry or to the name of the ministry and not to Christ Jesus. You know, again, there's a lot of things done out there in the name of the Holy Spirit. But yet, Jesus himself told us that the Holy Spirit will seek to glorify him. You know, the Holy Spirit is never going to take credit for himself. You know, the Holy Spirit is never going to, again, exalt himself. But the, but the very ministry of the Holy Spirit is to point people back to Christ. You know, and, and, and we see what, what that, you know, when the Holy Spirit is present and when the Holy Spirit, you know, is working in the life of a person, in the life of a believer, in the life of an, of an, of an individual, the result of it is that is that, that individual is going to be pointed to Christ. Now, we're going to see later on how, how the early believers handled these signs and wonders and the attention that came with that. It goes on to say that they sold all their possessions and divided everything among them as anyone had need. So this is that, that, that fellowship that the Bible talks about, that, that koinonia. You know, it, it was this selfless, you know, just giving, this unity, you know, the, the, this love between, the, between the, the church and the believers that they had. Again, really, there's no really, there's no English word to, to, to translate, you know, this word, this Greek word koinonia. You know, the, the, the best we have is, this, is that word fellowship. You know, but we see again that, that talks about this selfless, you know, giving love that the, that the church practiced. Now it says that they sold all their possessions and divided everything amongst them as anyone had need. So this is the, the care that the believers had for one another. Now notice that, that this is just something that they began to do on their own. You know, God didn't instruct them to do this. It's not like Peter and John received word from the Lord and say, all right, sell all your possessions, you know, distribute it among yourselves. You know, this is, uh, this is an awesome thing that they did. You know, it was a good thing that they did because definitely, you know, there was believers there in the church who had need. So they began to just, hey, let's get our stuff together. You know, let's sell the tighter deeds to our homes. Let's sell our cattle. Let's sell our possessions. You know, and, and, let's, and let's, uh, let's help the body out. You know, so their intentions were good. You know, and, and this sharing of possessions served its purpose for the season. But later on, we're going to read in chapter 6. You know, how, how there were those in this, in this communal distribution, you know, who, who, who brought, you know, uh, divisions. And when we see how, how, how there were some who were being neglected and others were being favored. Again, later on in chapter 6, as, as Stephen is chosen, you know, to, to kind of tend the tables and help out with the distribution of, of the things. What was happening there is that as the believers were selling all their possessions, you know, they were buying food and they were buying things to distribute to all the believers equally. But what was happening is that, that some of the people who were in charge of, of distributing these things, you know, were giving preference to the Jews. 
you know, and, and, and to those women who were of Jewish descent and neglecting the Hellenists, which were, which were believers, you know, with the Greek background. You know, so there was this like sort of prejudice even, even amongst the, the, the believers, you know, and they were neglecting certain people, you know, and giving, and giving preference to others. So we see that it started good, you know, it, it started off right, you know, the, the, the intention was right. They began to sell their possessions, they began to help each other out. But later on, you know, man's simple, man's simple nature crept in and it pretty much just messed the whole program up. So again, they started off right, you know, the intentions were good, you know, and it's just something that, that they wanted to do. You know, it wasn't something that God instructed them to do. It wasn't something that the, that the whole early church practiced, you know, but it's just something that, that, that they began to do on their own there in Jerusalem. You know, with that being said, you know, many so-called uh, uh, Christian professors and, and seminary, seminary professors and, 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 and ministries um, use this verse, you know, to, to, to try to promote socialism. You know, and there's, there's this thing out there, you know, called the Christian socialism, which, which uh, is actually doesn't really make a lot of sense. You know, but, but, but they use this verse, you know, and they claim that the early church practiced and believed in the redistribution of wealth. You know, and they use this to, to promote their, 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 their socialistic agenda. You know, but they fail to point out that the early believers freely gave up their possessions. You know, notice that we don't read that, that, that John and Peter came in and they, all right, you guys got to give me all your stuff. You know, you guys got to, you know, give me your paycheck, just sign your paycheck off to the church in Jerusalem and sign your paycheck off to, to, to the apostles. You know, and they, they didn't go door to door and say, all right, what do you, what do you guys have? No, but it says that, that the early believers, that they freely gave up their things. You know, no one had to pressure them to do this. No one had to pressure them, you know, to give their stuff up. You know, it was something that came out of their heart. You know, which is very different to, 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 to socialism because socialism, you know, the person in charge comes and takes your possessions. The government will take your possessions. And so again, there's a lot of, you know, Christians, you know, and a lot of seminaries, you know, who, who, who promote this Christian socialism and they use this to, to claim that the, that the early believers, you know, practice socialism and that they endorsed it, you know, which is actually, it's false. And also, we see that later on, this ended up in the death of a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. Who lied about the, about how much they made and gave to the communal pot, you know? So as a result of them lying about how much they made and how much they sold their land for, it says that that, that they were struck with death, you know. And again, we see that uh, we see that, that that this is not something that that, that that the Bible promotes, you know. This is something that the early believers just decided to to do because they saw a need, you know. And and, and after after the the death of, of Stephen, there in chapter six, we don't read about the believers doing this anymore. You know, but we do read later on about Paul taking up offerings for the church in Jerusalem. You know, and, and, and certain churches, you know, giving offerings to other churches who they knew were in need. But there was, but, but never again do we, do we read of the believers selling their possessions, you know, and putting them in the, commun in the communal pot, you know, and, and, and distributing it amongst themselves. Then it goes on to say that they continue daily in unity with gladness and simplicity of heart. And really that's where it's at. You know, and that's what it's all about. Just the, the, the simplicity of, of it all. You know, just the simplicity of just dwelling in fellowship and unity, of teaching doctrine, you know, of, of, of practicing communion, and just being in prayer. This is really what, 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 the, what the early church was defined by. You know, again, it says that they continue daily in unity with gladness and simplicity of heart. And then it goes on to say that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And we see that the early church didn't have any church growth programs. You know, we didn't see Paul and Peter and the rest of the disciples out there coming up with schemes and plans on, all right, how do we make this church grow? And, 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 and how do we get people into the church? And all right, you guys have got to invite a friend next Sunday. And if you don't, then you're in sin or something's wrong with your life. 
No, but we see that the early church, they didn't have any, any church growth programs. It says that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. They weren't focused on getting people to, to join them. You know, they simply preached Christ whenever the, the opportunity presented itself. Hey, look, later on we're going to see that, 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 that they heal a, a, a lame man. You know, they gather a crowd and they use that as a perfect opportunity to preach Christ. Now, and all throughout the rest of the book of Acts, we see that whenever a crowd gathered, and the, the disciples use that as an opportunity to preach Christ. You know, they weren't so worried about, all right, let's get these guys saved. Let's get these guys in the church. Let's, let's, let's make the church in Jerusalem grow. You know, let's, let's grow the ministry. No. But they simply preached Christ when the opportunity presented itself. It says that the Lord did the rest of the works. Now, there's such a freedom. There, there, there's such a, a, a weight taken off of, you know, off of my shoulders, off of the, the, the shoulders of the ministry, knowing that, that the task of going to church is left to the Lord and not to me. You know, me as a pastor of the church, you know, there's, again, there's such a freedom, there's such a sense, sense of relief in knowing that I don't have to come up with plans and schemes and agendas until, all right, we got to get uh, 50 people in by September and the church has to be, if it's eight people, then by next month has to be 16 people. And this, there's such a freedom in knowing that, you know, that my, my task is to be obedient to what God called me to do, which is teach the Bible, you know, shepherd the flock of God. And, and, and the, the church growth is left to the Lord. You know, he does all the work. And, and, and I mean, I got saved in a ministry where, you know, the, the emphasis was on, hey, you better bring somebody Sunday. And if you don't bring somebody Sunday, then, then you have to bring two people the next Sunday. You know, and, and sometimes I wouldn't even show up to work to, to, to church the next Sunday because I was so you know, embarrassed that I didn't bring anybody. You know, so I would just not go at all. You know, and, and we see that, 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 that the, the effect that, that this type of pressure has on the believers. You know, but we see that the early church that they didn't worry about this stuff. You know, they didn't worry about, all right, I got to go out there, you know, and I got to make sure I bring somebody to church with me. And I got to make sure, you know, I mean, people did come to church, you know, and people were being saved. I mean, we see that at the first gospel message ever preached, 3,000 souls were added to the church. Now, that wasn't as a, uh, as a result of, of, of Peter's, you know, of his effort to go get people in or, or anything like that. But it was just the Holy Spirit just working the life of the believers, you know, and the, and the Holy Spirit working in the life of the hearers. I like what Paul says there in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 6 and 8. He says. Hey I planted. Apollos watered. But God give the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything. Nor he who waters. But God who gives the increase. Now he who plants. And he who waters are one. And each one will receive. His own reward. According to his own labor. Now. We see here that, that the focus. Is not on the person who waters. Or the person who plants. But Paul says that they're, they're one and the same. You know, and, and, and sometimes you know, we could tend to, to, in our minds, you know, kind of, not intentionally, but just, our minds kind of just work this way. You know, we, we tend to just put this emphasis on, on, on the person who's out there, you know, doing all the full work. And, you know, we see somebody who's out there and who, who the Lord is using in a, in, a, in a dynamic way to share the gospel and to evangelize. And we see that he's bringing people, you know, to, 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 to the Lord. And, and it's like every time you turn around, you know, that person is leading someone to the Lord. And you tend to, we tend to kind of just sometimes, you know, think, think, uh, think less of ourselves, you know, or, or think less of our ministries because we're not out there doing all the footwork or because we're not out there preaching the gospel or we're not out there doing the sinner's prayer with anybody. You know, but, but I love what Paul said right there. You know, he said, hey, he who, neither he who plants anything nor he who waters, you know, but God who gives an increase. So it's not about the, the person who's out there evangelizing. It's not about the person who's out there discipling, but they're both one and the same. We see that, 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 that both aspects of this ministry are, are needed 
And both aspects of this ministry are, are one and the same. You know, and, and, and people need to be evangelized, you know, and people need to be discipled. You know, I, as I'm saying this, I'm reminded of this brother that, that, that I know from, uh, from Calvary Chapel, Norwalk. And this dude is, you know, you, you put him in a, in, in a crowd, you know, and you, you have him speak to a crowd. And, and he, just, he, he just fails, you know. He's, he doesn't do good in, in a crowd. But, man, you talk to him one-on-one. And this guy is sharp, you know. Hey, brother, what are you going through? Hey, man, well, this, that, and the other. Hey, bro, this is what the scripture says. Hey, man, look, this is what the, what the Lord says about this. Hey, brother, look, this, that, and the other. And he just, he's, he's, he's such a good sharpening tool, you know. He just does so good on, with, with one-on-ones, you know. And he's a brother who, who I used to go to often because I know that, that, that the Lord just uses him, you know, to encourage, to, to encourage the brothers, you know, to exhort the brothers, you know. It's like the Lord has given him a gift to just kind of see, you know, what, what's lacking in the life of a believer. And really, this is just, you know, the gift of knowledge, discernment, and wisdom and exhortation. You know, and he just and he just thrives in these gifts. You know, so one on one, he's like man, a a bombshell. You know, but you put him in a group, you know, and in a group setting, and to speak in a group setting, you know, and and and, and he and he can't do it. He can't do it. But we see that that that's because that's not his his ministry. You know, but he but so he sticks to what he knows. You know, which is that one on one, and that dude thrives in it. You know, and the Lord just uses him mightily in that area. So again, we see that. That, that the emphasis, you know, on, on the church growth, you know, it wasn't on the believers, it wasn't on the, on the apostles, but it was on the Lord. It says that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, again, Paul puts his, Paul put, puts his focus, you know, not on the, on the person watering or the person, or the person planting, but he says on God who gives the increase. And really that's where it's at. You know, it, it is, is having God run the program. You know, like we're here, Calvary Chapel City Terrace, and, and my prayer is to the Lord is always, Lord, you know, help me to get on your program. Lord, don't, don't let me go off on my own program and start doing my own things and all that. But I'm like, Lord, what's your program? What do you want us to do? And how me to just, you know, get in line with that. Whatever you want to do, Lord. We see, hey, it's, it's, it's God who's running the show. I love what Solomon writes there in Psalm 127, verse 1. He says, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. If God's not in it, then, then, then it's just wasted effort. It's just wasted effort. You know, it's like I remember a, a construction project we were on, and, you know, you guys know I'm a construction, I'm a construction worker. I remember we were in work, they were putting so much money into this, to this project, you know, and, 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 they, and they hadn't got the, the, the blueprints approved yet. I guess there was a delay in the city or whatever, you know, but they're like, all right, well, we have the blueprints. We're, they're they're going to approve it for sure. They're just taking a while. So, so, you know, what they did is they started pouring money into it, you know, but they, the blueprints hadn't gotten approved yet. And about six months into the project, you know, come to find out that, that, the, that the blueprints didn't get approved, you know, and we had already put all this money into it, you know, we had already done all the electrical for it. We're almost done. And, and, and then they didn't get approved because I guess they were missing some stuff for, for, for handicap, you know, some, you know, for the handicap code and certain things that we had to, you know, re- redo. And I was like, man, you know, and all that was in vain. And they had to just rip the walls out, rip all the electrical out because everything was at the wrong height. You know, some things were in the wrong place. And it's like, we labored in vain. We labored in vain because the plans hadn't been approved. And really, that's what it, that's what it is in, in the Lord's churches. That's what the Bible says. You know, that's what, that's what the psalmist, uh, that's what Solomon wrote. Is unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. You know, and, and, and that's my prayer for, for this church and that, that's my prayer for this ministry is that Lord, you be the builder. 
you know, and, and, and let us just be your hands and feet. Lord, you be the you be the, 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 the foreman, Lord, you be the, 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 the master builder, and we're just the tools. You know, because it's God, if God is not in it, then it's in vain. You know, if, if this ministry was centered around my program and around what I wanted to do and around my desires and around, you know, uh, my ministry, then it's out the window. But if, but if we're, we're building on God's foundation and if we're building on, on, on the Lord's program and if, we're, we're, and if God's the builder, then man, be sure that, that God's going to bless it. Now, it's foolish to try and build the house on our own, you know, but God needs to be the one directing the program, you know, and we're simply... Just tools that God uses to build. So, you know, let's seek to be used. Chapter 3 says this. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, laying from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Alms means pretty much, you know, he was, he was panhandling. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We'll stop right there. So it says, At the ninth hour, which would be 3 p.m., because for the Jews, the day starts at 6 in the morning. So 6, uh, that's 3 p.m. So, so at 3 p.m. Was, was their hour of prayer. It says that at the ninth hour, you know, they, it says that they went up to the temple you know, to go pray. Now, we see that the early Jewish believers you know, would still worship in the temple and, and, and observe the hour of prayer. You know, and keep in mind that, that, that we're in a transitional phase. You know, this, this is the birth of the church. You know, so, so the early church, they were still in this transitional phase. You know, they would still go to the temple. You know, they, would, they, would, they would still pray you know, at the temple. They would still observe you know, the, 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 the temple you know, hours of prayer and, and worship. We see that Paul, you know, like every city he went into, the first thing he did was go to the temple, you know, and start preaching the temple, uh, start preaching at the temple, start preaching Christ at the temple. You know, so we see that, that, that the early Jewish believers, you know, there was something that they practiced, you know, they would still go to the temple, they would still observe the hour of prayer. And we see here that, that Peter and John, they're observing the hour of prayer. There it says the ninth hour, 3 p.m., they're in there, and their intention is just to pray. But we see again that, that, that their life is marked by prayer. You know, their life is marked by, by, the, by the study of God's word, by fellowship, by doctrine, by the breaking of bread. Now, that didn't mean that they only prayed in the, in the temple, though. Paul tells us there in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, though they, 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 they observed the hour of prayer, you know, they didn't only pray, you know, when it was time to pray at the temple. You know, but but their lives were, were marked by prayer. You know, we see that, that, that Paul is encouraging the church there at Thessalonica, you know, to, to pray always. He says, in everything give thanks. Hey, this is the will of God for in Christ Jesus for you. Now, believers are encouraged to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer into the Lord. And we're just talking about this, that this, this morning as we're under the room. Some of the guys, right, about just cultivating this, this sensitivity to, to, to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and I was mentioning with some of the guys how last night, you know, I received a phone call from, from, from a friend of mine who I haven't talked to in a couple of years. And, you know, it was an unknown number. But it's like as, as the phone was ringing, you know, my, my wife, she's like, hey, maybe it's Alex. You know, and we haven't talked about Alex, you know, seen Alex in a couple of years. But, but somehow, like, 
It's like the whole, I know the Holy Spirit just talk, just told her, you know, hey, it's Alex. Should I be with Alex? I'm like, huh? No way. I answer the phone, hey, it was Alex. You know, we see that women tend to be more sensitive to the Lord sometimes, you know, more than men. I know that for sure my, my wife is, is more sensitive to the things of the Lord than I am, you know, sometimes that the Holy Spirit's moving and just goes right over my head and she's like, hey, did you see that? Or hey, did you sense that? Or hey, did you? I'm like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> We see that that, that us as, as believers, you know, we're, we're encouraged to, to cultivate this lifestyle of prayer. Again, we're encouraged to, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, you know, to in everything give thanks. Now, we don't need to be in church to pray. You know, the, 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 the disciples here, they went to the temple to pray. You know, but that doesn't mean that we need to be in church to pray because, you know, this God's house and, only, and God only hears us here. No. I like, I like what the Lord told the, the lady there at the well there in John chapter 4. He said, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. You know, so for us as, as New Testament believers, you know, we don't need to be here in the church to pray. You know, I mean, God is as much present here in the church as He is there in my room, you know, or in my closet, or in my car as I'm in traffic, or while I'm at, in line at the grocery store. It's like you could pray to the Lord, you know, wherever you're at. And, and as soon as you start praying to the Lord, hey man, that holy ground. You know, I could be, I could be a, a, again in line at the supermarket. If I'm talking to the Lord, I'm on holy ground. You know why? Because God's presence is there, and we know that God hears us wherever we're at. It goes on to say, in a certain that a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was there. You know, panhandling. Now there was nothing special about this man that that, that would have made him stand out to the disciples. I mean. There would have been dozens of these disabled people around the temple, you know, around the gates there at the temple asking for money. It was the common practice. I mean, once they didn't have, you know, social security back then or, or disability or, or any of those, you know, type of uh, uh, government assistance. So if somebody was any, unable to work, I mean, they depended on the mercy of, of the people to just to survive. I mean, they had to just panhandle for the rest of their life and, 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 and just depend on, 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 on someone's, you know, giving heart in order to survive. I mean, they couldn't go out there and get a job because no one would hire them. They couldn't apply for a you know, disability because that didn't exist. They, they were pretty much at the, at the mercy of, 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 the, of the passers-by. You know, so about this man, you know, there was nothing specific about him you know, that would have made him stand out. You know, I'm sure there was probably dozens of other guys like him there standing at the gate or laying at the gate or there at the gate asking for money. You know, but we see that God wanted to do something in this man's life. It's not something that he did to get God's attention. It wasn't something that he did, you know, to, to, like, to, you know, stand out for the Lord. But we just see that God desired to do something in this man's life. Now, he would have been fine with a few bucks and, and would have continued to live in his condition, not knowing that there is a God in heaven who was willing to completely heal him of his condition. You know, if Peter and John wouldn't have gave him what they gave him, you know, he would have been fine with just, all right, getting a few cents, a few coins, and going on living the rest of his miserable life. Now we see that this is a picture of the non-believer, you know, and really this is a picture of our condition before coming to the Lord. If you think about, if you think about it, I mean, we would have been fine in our crippled state, so to say, in our crippled state. You know, fine, barely getting by in our sin, not knowing that the power of God was present to heal us and to make us new creations. I mean, I think about my life before the Lord, you know, and. and Without knowing anything about God, without knowing anything about the Lord, without knowing anything about the Bible, without knowing anything about, about who God is, 
you know, I think about my life and I mean, yeah, I was miserable, but I would have been fine just being miserable and getting by, not knowing that there's a God in heaven who loves me, who's designed to give me a new life, who's designed to give me a fresh start, who's designed to forgive me of all my sins, who's designed to use me for his glory. And if it wasn't for, for that faithful, you know, b- believer who, you know, who, who, who started pouring into our family, you know, and eventually reaching you with the gospel, man, I would have been missing out on all this that God has for me. And we see this guy right here, you know, he would have been fine panhandling and getting a few bucks for the day and surviving, not knowing that the power of God was present to heal him, you know, to make him new, to heal him completely, not just to give him money to get by that day, but, but to give him a new life, a fresh start. I love what it says there in Romans 5, 8. You know, it says, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, not that we did anything to deserve this, you know, but God just wanted to show his love for us. Why? Just because. Because we deserved it? No. Because we earned it? No. Because we're his favorites? No. Because, no other reason, but God loves us. Because he loves us. He wanted to just show his love to us. Now I'm thankful for, for people again like John and Peter in my life who were faithful to obey the tugging of the Spirit and to take action. Can you think about it? You know, if, if Peter and John weren't, weren't obedient to that tugging of the Spirit, they would have passed, passed this guy by. You know, gone on to the prayer. Oh, we, gotta, we don't have time for this guy. We gotta, you know, we gotta go pray. We gotta go to church. You know, we don't have time to talk to this guy right now. But it's like they, 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 were, they were obedient to that tugging of the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and, and this guy stood out to them. And they go on to minister to this guy. Even though they were late for prayer already, even though, you know, they needed to be there in the temple. You know, and I'm like, again, I'm very thankful, you know, for, for, for people like that in my life who, who were faithful, you know, to that tugging the Holy Spirit. Because they didn't know what was going to come out of that. And I think about the person who shared the gospel with me, you know, who led me to the Lord. You know, it was a lady. And I, I never, since that day, I've never seen her ever again. I don't even know where she's at. I don't know if she's still alive. You know, and, and she doesn't know whatever happened of my life. She shared the gospel with me, led me to the Lord. And that was the last time I ever saw her. That's the last time we ever heard of her. And who knows, man, she's out there. Maybe, I don't know if she's still in California. But I think the last time I heard she had moved to Texas. It was like some years back. And it's like, she's going on with her life, not knowing, you know, what that, what that little moment of obedience to the Lord did in my life. You know, and here I am nine years later. So it's like it, it, I'm very thankful, you know, for, for, for people like that who are just obedient to that tugging of the Holy Spirit. And with that, I want to be faithful to that tugging of the Holy Spirit. You know, when I'm driving, the Lord says, hey, pull over, go talk to that guy. Ah, oh, Lord, I'm late already. Ah, oh, Lord, I got to be here at this place. Ah, oh, Lord, they're waiting for me. Hey, am I too busy for the things of the Lord? Like, Lord, I got to be at church. But yeah, hey, man, this is where the ministry's at, right here. And we see that Peter and John goes on to say that they both fix their eyes on this lame man. And then Peter said, look at me. You know, and this is significant because, you know, if you think about it, when, when, when you pass that guy asking for money as you're going to 7-Eleven, like, the last thing you want to do is lock eyes with him. You know, I'm going to 7-Eleven, there's someone right there asking for money or opening the door, you know, you know what he wants. The last thing I want to do is lock eyes because, you know, once you lock eyes, oh, man, you got to go like this and pretend like you have no money and do the whole thing. The last thing you want to do is lock eyes. But you see Peter and John here as they're walking to the temple, said that, they, that their eyes were fixed on him. And Peter even said, hey, look at me. Look at me. You know, now you can imagine how this man felt 
as he locked eyes with Peter and John, knowing that he's there day after day after day after day after day, and people were just passing him by. There he is asking for money. Ah, get out of here. Ah, whatever. People pretend like he doesn't even exist. People pretend like he's not even there. People pretend like they don't even hear him. Ah, man, I can't do it. All right, get emotional. And here comes Peter and John. Not only do they fix their eyes on him, they say, hey, look at me. Look at us. You could just imagine how this guy felt. He says that he was lame from his mother's womb, meaning he was born that way. His whole life was marked by shame, was, was marked by unrighteousness, unworthiness. You know, his whole life was marked by, by just, you know, being cast off to the side. People not even wanting to look at him. People, you know, uh, writing him off as a second-class citizen, ignoring him, pretending like he doesn't even exist. And all of a sudden, here come these two men of God. Hey, look at us. Look at me. Okay, you could just imagine how this man felt as he locked eyes with Peter and John, and then Peter says, look at us. Now, interesting because Peter... Peter's all too familiar with these, with these looks of grace, right? Peter's all too familiar with, this, with, these, with, this, with these looks. As he experienced, you know, when he denied the Lord, you guys remember, I think it's the Gospel of Luke that mentions this, that, you know, at his, mo- at his moment of, of greatest weakness, of greatest failure, is that once he denied the Lord for the third time, like Jesus said he would, so that he locked eyes with the Lord. And he's, Jesus there, he's being beat. And Peter, as he's, you know, just denying him for the third time, failing, failing the Lord, he locks eyes with Jesus. Now we think, what do you think he saw? Now I believe that he was looking into the eyes of a gracious, merciful, loving Savior. Now Peter sees this man, he says, hey, look at me. Look at me. Showing that, those, those, that, that same look of grace, you know, that same look of mercy, that, those, those same eyes of love that the Lord shared with him just some, some days earlier. Now what Peter is about to do is extend grace to the shamed, lame man. And he tells him there in verse 6, he says, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. Now, as a rule of thumb, you know, we can't give out what we first don't possess. He says, hey, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I'll give to you. So we can't give out something that we first don't have. Peter had experienced this forgiveness and grace from the Lord. You know, he remembered what it was like to stare into the eyes of a merciful Savior right after failing him. Right after saying, Lord, even if these guys deny you, I'll never deny you. Lord, I'll die with you. No, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Lord, far be it from me, far be it from you. And then it coming to pass, you know, he remembered what it was like to stare into the eyes of a merciful, loving Savior right after his failure to him. And he had seen with his own eyes the Lord healed many. You know, he had seen what the Lord had done. And so now he's able to give this out. So he gives what he has to this lame man, which is what he says afterwards. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Now we see that Peter is, is careful to give all the glory to Jesus. Right? He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. He's careful to give all glory to Jesus. Now there is a temptation that comes with the with, with the Lord using, you know, the life of an individual. There's a temptation that comes, you know, when, 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 when you're put in the spotlight. And that temptation is to take glory for yourself. You know, when, when, the, when the Lord is moving in your life and using you and 
you're being noticed because people just notice, you know, there's that temptation to be like, oh, yeah, of course God is using me, man. I've been to my devotional every morning. I haven't skipped the prayer day yet. I've been, uh, I'm on the one-year Bible and I'm ahead and all these things, right? There's that temptation to kind of just glory in, in self and be like, well, of course God is using me. I mean, why wouldn't he? But we see that, that Peter was careful to give all glory to God. You know, all glory to the Lord. And it says, you know, that, that he looks at him and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. So again, he points him back to the Lord. You know, and, and, and people are prone to, to look at and glorify the instrument that God uses, you know, in, instead of God. And we see there in verse 7, it says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood up and walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who stepped, you know, begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as a lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look, at, or why look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk. So we see the people's response. You know, we see that the people, when they saw this and recognized that, you know, who this healed, who this healed man was, they ran to Peter and John. You know, and there they are at the, at the temple. No doubt they knew who this guy was. You know, he'd been begging there for his whole life. He'd be there, he'd be there, you know, he, he would have been at the, at the gate asking for money, you know, not, not able to walk. They would have seen this guy being carried in and carried out every single day. And when they recognize that, 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 this, that this is a guy that, that's now jumping up, praising, praising the Lord, it says, you know, they recognize right away. And what do they do? It says that they ran to Peter and John. And this is Peter's response. He says, why are you looking at us for? You know, what are you looking at? Why are you guys so, so amazed? You know, he says, why are you looking at us as if by our own godliness, you know, this happened? And, and I just love this, you know, because again, you know, there's that temptation to, to, to glorify yourself when God is using you. But uh, the, the, I love this response of Peter and John. You know, and Peter points him back to the Lord. He says, hey, why are you guys looking at us for? Like, like it was because of us that this happened. You know, but, and then he goes on to say, hey, it was, it was the Lord Jesus Christ you know, who did this. You know, and, and I mean, this is just an awesome response. You know, and and I'm, I mean, you just imagine, I mean, again, I'm a construction worker. You know, I, I have my, my glove that I'm working now imagine, you know, if I'm there, if I'm working and, you know, I'm, I'm running all the electrical for this building. You know, here I am with my gloves. I run all the, all the conduits. I run all the wire, you know, wire everything up, set the panel up, you know, and, you know, the finished product is done. They, they close up the walls and everyone starts turning on the lights, you know, and everyone comes to these gloves. And here, here are my gloves laying there on the table. And, oh, wow, look at these gloves did all this. Man, these gloves pulled all this wire. Man, these gloves wired up these lights. Man, these gloves, everyone's praising these gloves. I mean, you could just see, you know, the, the silliness of, right? It sounds silly. But, but yet, how many times, you know, does, does, does the Lord work through an individual? You know, and then, and then people give praise to this individual. They give praise to the, to the instrument that God uses instead of giving praise to God. You know, it's the same thing. 
the same thing as if you know if I would have gone to work and everyone's praising my, my my work gloves instead of praising me, I'm like, oh hey, here I am, I'm the one who did all the work. You know, you got the wrong, you know, you guys are giving attention to the gloves. And here am I, the guy who did everything, you know? And it's the same thing. You know, and, and we see again that, that, that Peter was that, that Peter understood this. You know, he understood that he was just an instrument of mercy in God's hands. And that's what we are. You know, when God uses us, it's not because of our godliness. It's not because, you know, we've been faithful to come to church. It's not because, you know, we've been walking with the Lord with, you know, for so many years already. And we've reached this level of spirituality where now God can use us. No, the very moment that you give your life to the Lord, you're a vessel. And you're an instrument. If you're willing to. If you're willing to be. If you're willing to be used. You don't have to wait 10, 12, 2, 5 years. The moment you give your life to the Lord, and the Lord gives you gifts. You know, the Bible says that, that there are 21 gifts of the Holy Spirit. The moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you know, the Lord gives you gifts. And He says, hey, walk in them. So we see again that Peter was quick to point everyone's attention to God, who through Christ healed this man. And we see that God delights in using men and women who would want nothing to do with His glory or receiving credit. God delights in this. You know, when, when God can find an individual who we can work through, knowing that he's not going to have to compete with this individual for, for, for glory, you know, God delights in that. You know, God delights in using somebody who doesn't care about being noticed, who doesn't care about being recognized, who doesn't care about ha having their name on the flyer or, you know, their picture on the, on the board or whatever. God delights in that. You know, and, and when he finds an individual, men or, men or women, you know, he'll use that individual. Why? Because the Bible says that he shares his glory with nobody. So we see again that Peter was quick to point everyone, everyone's attention, you know, to Christ. And again, God can't use us if we're concerned with this, you know, with being the guy in the flyer or being, you know, the guy who gets all the attention or the guy who gets all the credit. I love what John the Baptist said, said there in John 3.30. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And he had it right. And that's what it's all about. You know, about, about being so unnoticeable that people, when they see you, they see Christ. You know, they're able to glorify God. They're able to look at your life and see the Lord working through your life. But yet, because you don't bring attention to yourself, they're able to just glorify God for what He's doing. And so Peter says, and then in verse 13, he says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So we see that, you know, that Peter is now not only redirecting their attention, but now he goes into addressing their sin. So he's using it as, as an opportunity to just preach Christ to them. Then verse 17 it says, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance. I did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus Christ, who was preached before you, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things, 
which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear the, that prophet shall utterly dis, be destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of your iniquities. So we see again that Peter's now using this as a perfect opportunity to preach Christ. And we see that first he addresses their sin. You know, he's redirected, he redirects their attention to God. Now he addresses their sin. We see that after making them aware of their sin, Peter's instruction to them is repent. And it says repent and be converted. So what he's saying is, hey, turn your heart. You know, again, this word repent, it, 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 it gives the, 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 the idea of just busting a 180, busting a U-turn. If, you're, if, you, if in your heart, in your mind, you're going one way, you recognize you're going the wrong way, man, bust a U-turn. And you redirect your attention and your, and, your, and your efforts towards God. That's what repentance means. So he says, repent and be converted. And what he's saying is, turn your heart and, and let your actions speak for themselves. You know, if a person is truly repentant, their life will show it. You know, they don't have to tell everyone, hey, I repented uh, three days ago. Hey, I repented five years ago and, you know, ever since then. No, hey, man, if they've repented from their sins and, and, and they've been converted to the Lord, their, their, their actions will, will speak for themselves. You know, and, and it will be evident to all. He goes on to say, so that your sins may be blotted out. Now, this is amazing because this is a promise that we have today. You know, it wasn't just for them, you know, but this is a promise that we have today. That when we repent from our sins and turn to the Lord... Our sins are blotted out. You know, that the moment we repent, put our trust in the Lord, our sins are blotted out from us, meaning they're completely, you know, wiped away. Now we are, and now we're clothed with the righteousness of Christ, you know, and on our own. And that's a, that's a beautiful promise, you know, that's a beautiful thing to keep in mind. And, and, and to, the, to the listeners of, you know, to the listeners that, that, that Peter was addressing, it would have been a foreign thing to them because to them, it wasn't possible that, 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 sin, that a sin could be completely blotted out. You know, what they understood of, of the sacrificial system and of the temple rituals concerning sin was that they would come and they would offer a sacrifice for the sin to cover it temporarily. And they knew that it was something that they had to continually be doing because their sin was always there. Now through Christ, you know, we have our sins blotted out. Not that we're not sinful anymore, but now that, because we still, we still live in these sinful bodies, you know, and we still have a sinful nature. But now the difference is that when God sees us, you know, He doesn't see us for our sin. You know, but He sees us for the righteousness of Christ. Because now we're clothed with Christ's righteousness. So this is, what, this is a message that Peter is preaching there at the first century. You know, first century church. And this is a message that we're preaching here. And this is a message of the Bible. We see then that... It says that this Jesus that Peter preached is the same Jesus that we preach. It's the same message. We see that then that God used the healing of this one man to reach 5,000 as we read later on 4-4. We see that it took a couple of guys filled with the Holy Spirit, devoted to the word, prayer, to the word and to prayer. You know, who all they wanted to do was glorify Christ. 
And through these guys, you know, and this lame man was healed, and, and, and a multitude of people were saved. It goes on to say, there in chapter 4, I read just through verse 4, it says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So we see that, that the Lord used you know, these two men, full of the Holy Spirit, you know, yielding their, 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 their spirit to the Lord, you know, yielding their will to the Lord, you know, being, being led, being guided by, by the tugging of the Holy Spirit, obedient, you know, men of prayer, to, to, to heal this one man and reach 5,000. We see that God is looking for individuals like that today, you know, both men and women. Nothing's changed. You know, God is still seeking individuals to whom He can work through. You know, they don't have, you wouldn't have to be apostles, we don't have to be, you know, these, these, these uh, big names. But if, you're, if your life is marked by, by just a devotion to God, first of all, you, know, you got to be saved, you got to be surrendered to the Lord. So if, you're, if your life is, is marked by just this devotion to God, you know, to prayer, and just to be incentive to the Holy Spirit, God wants to use you. Forget about the, hey, I don't got this, I don't got that, I'm having never went to seminary, never did this or the other. God wants to use you. We see that the Lord is still looking for individuals like that today. My encouragement is, let us be those instruments of mercy you know, that God can use to reach others. Again, it, 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 I just think it's amazing you know, that, 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 that the Lord has given us this task you know, of, of proclaiming the gospel. You know, he, he uses us as tools when He doesn't have to. I mean, you could send an angel down, you could speak to people in visions and dreams directly, you know, and it would be a million times more effective than, than me going and sharing the gospel with somebody. But He chooses to, to, to do His work here on earth through the body of Christ, which is us, the believers. You know, and like, and like the Lord says, hey man, the, 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 the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. And we see that, that everywhere, you know, and all throughout the world, that God is desiring to, 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 to use men and women who want to be used. And again, my encouragement is let us just be those instruments of mercy that God can use to reach others. And again, we can't give out what we ourselves first don't have. You know, Peter said, hey, I don't have this. I don't got any money. But what I do have, I give to you. What do you have? The word of God. The testimony of Christ. You know, the witness of, of what he has seen the Lord do in, not only in his life, but in the life of others. He walked with the Lord for three and a half years, and in those three and a half years, he saw the Lord heal, heal many, he saw the Lord do miracles, signs, wonders, teach the Bible, teach the multitudes, you know, bring people into himself, preach repentance, and that's what Peter did. You know, don't be discouraged if you don't know the whole Bible, or you don't, hey, well, I've never read through the whole Bible, so there's no way God can use me, because what if somebody asks me a question, I don't know. Hey, don't worry about that. You know, but just give out what you have. What do I have? Hey, God. I know that God died for me. I know that, that God sent His Son, that He died on the cross, and that if I put my faith in Him, that my sins are forgiven, and I, I go to heaven. Hey, that's the message. If that's all you have, and that's all you ever preach, God's going to use that. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Father God, just thank you so much for your word, Lord, that it just encourages, exhorts.